Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Look at your neighbor and say, you've done all that praising and your outfit still, your outfit still looks good. Amen. Aren't we glad to be in the house of the Lord? Praise God. We want our preacher to come. Amen. Brother Nathaniel White is coming. I do want to say we need to be safe. We need to be wise during this time. Everything going. Remain standing. The preacher's coming. And uh, we honor the man of God. And we want to be safe during this time. Uh, we want to be wise. But we want to be in church. Can you say amen? Come on, turn around to somebody and bless them. Tell somebody around you, amen. Give them some honor. Give them some honor. Tell somebody to look nice. You're glad to see them. Smile at somebody. Praise God. There's nothing like the people of God. Amen. Nothing like the church. I told our evangelist, his wife today, I said, I just, I just want you to know I pastor the most amazing people in the world. I, I said that way, y'all weren't listening. Amen. And it's the truth. But you know what? We're a part of something that's bigger than us. We are the bride of Christ. And we are blessed to be in church together. How many have felt the glory and the touch of God here tonight? Aren't we glad to be in church with one another? Amen. What, what a good feeling it is. Brother Nathaniel White, I want you to come and preach. Amen. We're thankful for you. We love you. Would you welcome him as he comes to preach the word of the Lord? Come on, someone lift up your voice right now to Jesus. Come on, all across the building, lift up your voice. Hallelujah. Come on, it's easy to mask it with hand clapping, but let's just lift up our hands, lift up our voice. Begin to magnify Jesus. Feel the presence of the Holy Ghost so strong here tonight. I told my wife as we were coming into the neighborhood tonight, I told her, I said, it would not surprise me in the least if the gifts of the Spirit did not fall, the prophetic did not fall in this service at some point. And I believe that the Lord has set that stage already tonight for that to begin to happen. I want to say very quickly what an honor it is to be in Zanesville tonight with a hero of mine, but has been a friend in my life for many, many years. And uh, he is one of my heroes, and I am so appreciative for him, uh, Pastor Bounds, and his incredible family. And you do have an incredible first family. Of course, it is good to have my wife with me. She doesn't always get to travel with me, but uh, I'm glad she is here tonight. Give honor tonight to my pastor and my bishop. You have your Bibles. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14, <clears throat> we'll begin with verse 9, 10. Bible says, And the veil of Siddim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. 
And they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself unto them, and he and his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods. And he also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women and all the people. Skip down to verse 21 and we will conclude our reading tonight before we get into the word. But verse 21 tells us, And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Give me all the people. And you just take the stuff. Tonight, I've been commissioned. It's been 10 years since I walked through the doors of this church. I don't know anything going on in any of your worlds. Usually when your pastor and I talk, it's about all my problems, not yours. But I've been sent to this pulpit tonight with a burden. I crossed the river coming into Zanesville last night from Indiana. And as soon as I crossed the bridge, I began to hear this this message begin to sound through my spirit. I come tonight to tell someone in this congregation, and I've come tonight to tell someone in this city, you are worth fighting for. You can be saint, you can be sinner, it can be your first time to ever come through the doors of this building tonight. But this preacher from Texas has come to tell you you're worth fighting for. You're worth going to heaven with. Come on, would you lay down your Bibles, lift up your hands right now. I feel the Holy Ghost sweeping through this congregation. The Holy Ghost is trying to speak to somebody right now. Jesus. someone begin to pray right now I'm not trying to belabor the point I know we've been standing for a while I'm not trying to waste time but I want us to get a hold of what the Lord's trying to say tonight Jesus hallelujah hallelujah come on someone look at your neighbor as you're seated and tell them you're worth fighting for come on say it one more time if you're going to preach with me you can be seated If you're not, stay standing so I know who to preach to. Our text tonight brings us the first and only military action that you will ever read about Abram engaged in. Oddly, this engagement is not of Abram's own doing or ambition. Rather, this entire episode is played out and the battle is fought 
due to his good will and tender heart toward the people around him. This battle is not to enrich himself or to bring fame or, or, or any type of recognition to his own self, but rather this battle was fought for the life of someone around him. Some would say that there has never been a military expedition undertaken, prosecuted, and finished more honorably than Abram's battle in the 14th book of Genesis. The king of Sodom and his allies were beaten and killed by the sword. The Bible says that as they ran, they fell into slime pits. And I don't know exactly what slime pits are, Brother, Brother Cody, but I'm going to be honest with you. Just the sound of it makes me not want to be in it. But as they ran, they fell into these pits. And those that lived and survived fled to the mountains for safety. But the kings that had attacked Sodom took those that they could capture and they took all of their goods. They plundered the city and they took their stores and their provisions. As the conquerors of Sodom, they carried away the spoils of war of that day. We see that Lot and his family were taken as prisoners and victims of this battle that had taken place in Sodom. They took his belongings, they took his wives, they took his family, and they paraded them through the city streets as the spoils of war. Yes, it was the same lot that had just one chapter before been living in the camp of Abram. He had just previously been enjoying the bountiful blessings of a man living a righteous life. He had known what it was to see the miracles and the provisions of God on those that he loved. But now Lot finds himself a prisoner of war. We could say that Lot just got caught up at the wrong time. He just happened to share in his neighbors in their common calamity. After all, we could argue at this point that Lot is still a righteous man. We could argue at this point in his life that Lot just got caught up with all the things that were going on in the world around him. He was involved with the rest of Sodom and so as trouble comes to Sodom so comes the troubles to those that decide to live in Sodom the best of men cannot compromise and expect exemption from the troubles of this world we cannot live in this world and act like the world and expect no calamity to come to our lives when it comes to the lives of the world around us. Wisdom would tell us, separate yourself from those that are not living right. Separate yourself and create distance from those that are not living for God and those that are not pursuing the same things that you are pursuing. Don't misunderstand me tonight. I'm not saying don't be friends with them. I'm not saying you'll find out in this message that's the opposite of what I'm trying to say but what I'm trying to get you to understand is there comes a point in the life of every individual and the sound of my voice you're going to have to make a decision do you stand with the church or do you stand with the world are you a part of the church or are you
you more loyal to your friend. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 6 says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. There comes a point in the life of every true Christian, whether you claim to be apostolic or some other denomination, I don't care your religious preference. I don't care your choice of political parties. I don't care your race or your family history. Every one of us will come face to face with a choice to separate ourselves or blend into the world around us. We find it very easy, Pastor, we find it easy to talk about separating from the world and not looking like the world and not acting like the world. We find it easy and I believe it. It preaches good. I believe not being a part of the world, but I believe this. There are some people who claim to be apostolic that you should be more afraid of than the sinner because the sinner is not deceived in their own minds. The sinner knows they're a sinner but God help us to never align ourselves with people who claim to be one thing but live something else Young people, hear me tonight. I don't care how they act in church. I need to know what are they doing on Saturday? What are they doing on Monday morning when they go to school? Don't tell me how holy you want to be on Sunday night. Show me how holy you are. In other words, if you don't want to live with the effects of carnality and the consequences of sin, get away from the people that are involved in it. You don't have to live tormented. You can't come out from the world that you are in. You don't have to fall victim to the adversary's devices. You don't have to become what the rest of the world says you're going to become. You don't have to fall to generational curses of addiction and suicide and depression. You don't have to fall to those things. You can separate yourself and create distance there so that God can work. And so Lot has been taken prisoner with those from Sodom, but a man escapes and runs to where Abram is and tells him of Lot's misfortune. Though we know that Lot was the nephew of Abram, the Bible calls him Abram's brother because he was the son of his brother. The man that comes to Abram was very probably a, a Sodomite and one of the worst of the city. But he knows of the relationship between Abraham and Lot. He knows how close they once were. Even the the sodomite knows the bond between family and especially brothers and so he tugs at the heart of Abram by speaking of his brother watch now as a man who lives in Sodom and has no true connection with Abram comes to him in his worst of moments and he is asking him for help Abram who was possibly the most righteous man on the face of the earth at this time is now in a conversation with 
someone who was possibly one of the worst carnal and one of the worst sinners on the face of the earth. But watch as the sinner finds an Abram in his life. Watch as the sinner finds a man who's never wavered and never faltered. I find it unique that even the worst of men, when they are in a bind, they know where to go to get an answer from God. When everyone thinks that they could care less about church, when they act like they don't care about the things of God, when they try to act like they don't hear your testimonies, and when they sidestep your invitations to revival, when it comes down to it, and they must have an answer, don't you get so far away from the church that they can't find you. Don't separate yourself so far from the heart of the church that somebody can't find an Abram in their life and say, when everything else is falling apart, you've always been strong. When everything else is falling to shambles, you've never left. You never wavered. Hear me tonight. There are backsliders in this city, Pastor. They don't need a compromised church. They don't need a watered-down message. What they're looking for is somebody that'll be an Abram in their life that never left and never changed. They find an Abram that is unwavering and unchanging in their approach to the things of God. They may act or look like the worst kind of sodomite, but you better make sure that the church is still the church that this world needs. We gotta make sure that our message is still the message that this world needs because whether they want to admit it or not, there's going to come a day and they're gonna need this church. They're gonna need this message. They're gonna need separation from the world. And so now Abram, is faced with a decision. He must choose to either let Lot suffer the consequences of his choices or he is going to have to go and defend his brother. Abram could have looked at the situation and decided that Lot was getting exactly what he deserved. He was getting what he had asked for. If he hadn't have gone there, he may not be in trouble. If he would have made different choices, he wouldn't be in the bind that he's found himself in. If anyone knows better, surely it would be Lot. Lot knows better than to find himself there. He knows better than to be found in that sin. He knows better than to find himself in such a predicament that I'd have to come rescue him. That could have been Abram's perspective. That could have been Abram's attitude. He knows what's right and what's wrong. He knows how to live holy. He just chose not to. He gets what he deserves. But now, Abram has come to face to face with the realization that his brother is in need of help. He knew about the power and the presence of God. So Lot could have just stayed where he was. But Abram said, really, I've got to make a choice here and I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. And the Bible says that he arms his trained servants, which were 318. As I begin to study this out, I begin to ask myself, if this is the only battle that Abram was ever a part of, why does he have trained servants? It wasn't like they were going to go to battle every week. It wasn't like they would go to battle. 
battle every other year, but why have trained servants? What purpose did Abram have with these men that were trained for war? What reason was there that the servants would be ready at a moment's notice? After all, they didn't do it on a weekly basis, regardless of the reason the Bible tells us that when they were ready to go, they were ready to move at the master's order. When Abram handed them a sword, they did not question it. When they were handed a spear, they did not fumble and wonder which end goes up. When they were handed a shield, they did not wonder what do I do with this because they understood I may just be a servant in the master's house, but I fight at the commandment of the master. I may just be providing for the master's house, but I'm going to fight at the moment he tells me to be ready. I fight when the master tells me to defend what belongs to him. When the master tells me to protect what belongs to God, I know how to pick up a sword. I know how to pick up a spear. And I know how to go to battle for the things that are the most precious to my master. Here goes Abram, 318 men. They pursued the four kings until they reached Dan. And the Bible says that Abram and his men attacked them at night and they smote them. Then they pursued them, the ones that ran until they reached them and were able to destroy them on the left hand of Damascus. And it tells us that Abram brought back all the goods. He brought back his brother Lot, the women and his goods and all the people. Abram has now defeated four kings and what their armies and a little more than 300 men. What a, what a whole city could not do, Abram now does with a little more than 300 men. But what we must see happens next for it is within the words of these verses that we will find the reason that Abram made the decision that he made. Verse 21 says that the king of Sodom tells Abram, you can have all the goods, you can have all the spoils of war, just leave the people with me. You can have all the riches, you can have all the fame, all the wealth, just leave those people with me. In other words, he was trying to tell him I don't really care about the stuff, I just want the people that you saved. I don't care about the recognition. I just want the people that you took from the enemy's grasp. Help me now, Jesus. In other words, what the king of Sin City was telling Abram is you can have everything else. Just leave the souls with me. And here we find the reason that Abram would go to war for his brother. Abram realized the stuff doesn't matter. The spoils of war don't matter. How they got there doesn't matter. The reason they ended up in the position they're in does not matter. Because when it comes right down to it, all that matters is the soul of my brother and my sister. In other words, Lot was trying to tell the king he's still worth fighting for. Hey, Lot, if you can hear me, the stuff doesn't matter. You're worth fighting for. In the only recorded Bible battle that Abram was ever a part of, it was for the soul of someone else. His only recorded battle was not for himself. It had nothing to do with gaining honor. It had nothing to do with getting numbers as a following. All he knew is that my brother's in trouble and I've got to be able to help him. All he knew is my family's in a bind and I've got to be able to find them and let them know I don't care how they got there. I don't know how they became a prisoner, but Lot, you're worth fighting for. You're worth going to battle for. You're worth praying. 
I've been sent tonight. I've been sent tonight with one single purpose in this service, and that is to remind this great congregation that your brothers and your sisters are worth fighting for. Sure, you get tired. Sure, you get exhausted. Sure, your mind becomes weary, and you wonder how many more blows the church can take, and you wonder how many more trials can we go through, but I've come tonight from someone on the outside that doesn't know anything about your church other than you're the greatest church in the world. I don't know anything about you individually, but I can tell you this much. God told me to come tell Zanesville tonight. You're still worth fighting for. There may be some that are struggling. There may be some that are considering walking away. No doubt there are brothers and sisters that are wondering how much more you're going to have to endure. How much more can you handle? I've come tonight with a word from God for this congregation. I need to tell you, you are still worth fighting for for those of you that are weary for those of you that are wondering why am I going through this for the group of people that are trying to figure out why you must endure the hardships for the ones that feel ashamed and you try to hide your pain and you try to hide your frustration I've got good news for you tonight there's a church that's fighting for you you're not alone the adversary would like to convince you that you're on an island by yourself but you're not alone God has sent a church and you are worth fighting for you've got brothers and sisters in this church sitting in this sanctuary that don't care where you've been and they don't care what you we don't care how you got there here let me talk to some visitors let me talk to some sinners let me talk to some people that aren't even sitting in our pews but I'll speak to the spirit of this city and I'll speak to the spirits of this region we don't care how you got addicted we don't care how you became an alcoholic we don't care how you got on your third or fourth marriage we don't care how you became pregnant as a teenager it doesn't matter to us. All that matters to us is that you know you're worth fighting for. We'll pray a thousand prayers. We can all get behind that, Pastor, but let me preach to a preacher's wife. Let me preach to a young minister in this church right now and tell you we don't care how you started fighting depression and anxiety. We don't care how you started fighting it. We don't know why and we don't care why. It's not that it's not important. It just don't matter to us right now. We just need somebody in this building to know that you're worth fighting for. We don't care. Oh, Jesus. We don't care about the spirits that are tormenting you at night. It doesn't matter to us that you're weary. We don't think less of you because you're feeling like giving up and walking away. All we need you to know tonight is there's a church right here in Zanesville that thinks you're worth fighting for. We don't care what your struggle is. We don't care what you used to be. We... It doesn't matter to me if you used to stand behind that pulpit and now you're a backslider or you fell and you made a mistake. It doesn't matter to me. I need you to know tonight God sent a preacher to tell you I don't know you. I don't know your problems but I believe in you. I don't know your shortcomings but you're worth praying for. You're worth praying for.
doesn't matter to us how you got there. It doesn't matter to us the whys. All that matters is that you realize you are still worth fighting for. It doesn't matter to us how long you've been in that spot. It doesn't matter to us how long you've been in that situation. You are still worth fighting for. Hear me tonight. We need only to look at the story of Saul of Tarsus to see that it doesn't matter who you are. God loves you. It doesn't matter where you've been. God wants to bring peace to your life. It was the after the light had shone from heaven and he had been blinded. We find him in the middle of a road on his way to Damascus. But what we must see is in Acts chapter 9. The Bible says, and there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul. Can I tell you tonight, if you're going to be used of God in a dynamic way, you've got to walk on a straight street. He said, there's one named Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind us all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said brother Saul the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the ways that thou camest has sent me that thou mightest receive the sight and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost Ananias was told that he was going to find Saul and that he was to pray for him knowing the reputation that Saul has Ananias begins to wrestle with what he has been told the burden was placed on him for a man that he had never seen Pastor Cody but he had every he had heard everything about he began to wrestle with a burden for someone that he did not personally know. Ananias had never heard of Saul, ever wanting to be converted. He wasn't there on Pentecost Sunday when everybody else received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ananias wasn't there on Easter Sunday out of obligation to his friends or his family. He had never seen Saul in a single service. Saul wasn't there at any revival services. He had never seen him walk to the front out of obligation when the preacher gave the altar call. But now, Ananias for a reason that he cannot explain is feeling a burden for a lost soul that he has never met. Ananias walks into the room where Saul lays. Watch what the Bible says. He walks into the room where he is. He lays his hands on Saul and he says, Saul, my brother. Now, wait a minute, Ananias. Saul hasn't even received the Holy Ghost yet. And you call him a brother? Saul had not been baptized, and yet you call him your brother? Saul didn't look like everybody else. He hadn't had a six-month time frame of getting perfected to purdy Pentecostals. And yet Ananias walks in and lays his hands on him and says, Saul, my brother. 
What, what do you mean, Saul? What do you mean, Ananias? What he was saying is, my brother, I need you to know I wrestled a burden for you last night. I fought all night for you, Saul. Ananias wrestled with the idea of what all the people would say and what all the other people of God would do when they seen him walking with Saul. He wrestled with the mentality of what the other perfect Pentecostals would do when they seen him walking around with somebody like Saul. He wrestled with a burden for a man he had never seen in his life. Hear me tonight. He wrestled with the idea of what would happen. It would be one that appears to have no desire to live for God. Ananias walks in with a burden sent from heaven. He walked to where Saul was with a heavy heart from prayer that had taken place the night before. And he tells Saul, I need you to know, Saul, you've done nothing but persecute. I need you to know, Saul, I know all the bad things about you, but there's one thing you need to know, sir. You're my brother and you are worth fighting for. I fought a burden all night. I fought the spirit of prayer all night for you. What he was trying to tell him, I need you to know you're worth fighting for, Saul. I'll take a thousand sleepless nights if it means seeing one soul saved. I'll wrestle a thousand burdens if it means finding salvation because my brothers and my sisters are worth fighting for. I don't want to give up on anybody. I'm not willing that any would fall and just go to the wayside. And yet some of you are still skeptical. Allow me to take you back to the conversation that Ananias had with Jesus. Pastor Cody, Ananias is talking to Jesus and Jesus, God wakes him up and tells him, I need you to go pray. And the Bible says that Ananias begins to argue with God much like some of us have done. But God, you don't know what he's done. It's kind of a stupid statement, ain't it? God, you don't know. Humanity will bring up all kinds of dumb arguments to get out of something, doing something. But God begins to talk to Ananias. He says, Ananias, I know you're afraid. I know you're weary. I know you're even a little, I know you're a little nervous about this task I'm putting in front of you. But Ananias, I need you to understand you've been sent tonight with a word. Verse 11, God tells Ananias, here's what we need to find out and this is what needs to resonate in every spirit and every heart tonight. Verse 11, God tells Ananias, he said, I realize you're scared. I realize you don't think he wants to do anything. He said, but I need you to go for behold, he prayeth. I'm going to speak a word to this congregation right now. There are people in your life, there are people in your family that you don't think they give two hoots in a whirlwind about living for God, but they've been praying every night. They put on that big front and they put on like everything's okay when they're in front of you and they try to disregard everything you say about the church, but they've been praying at night and they've been crying themselves to sleep and all they can say is God sends somebody into my life. God sends somebody. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I'm tired of dealing with the things I'm dealing with. I need you to send somebody. Send an Ananias to my spirit. Send an Ananias into my life. I need somebody. You must hear the heart of this preacher. I echo my words from earlier in this message when I tell you I've come with one purpose in this service. I've been sent to remind you that they are still worth fighting for. Not only are you sitting on these pews worth it, but every soul in this city is worth fighting for. If 
Pastor, I'm not trying to speak it into existence, but if all you do is pray one soul through in the rest of 21, that one soul's worth it. Don't you fold up shop and quit just because it's not happening the way you want it to. Keep living for God. Keep pushing. Keep praying. Lift your hands all across this building. Lift your hands all across this building. Let me preach to some department heads here for a moment. I've been preaching 27 minutes. Give me just a few more minutes. Let me preach to some department heads and some young preachers that you feel like you're spinning your wheels and you feel like you're just stuck in place and you just keep staying in this holding pattern. Nothing's changing. Nothing's moving. Why do I keep sewing up? Why do I keep serving? Why do I keep pushing? Why do, I'm going to tell you why. Because the Lord's fixing to unveil some things in your life. The ministry that you're fixing to see is going to blow your mind, but you got to keep fighting because the souls you're going to preach to one day are worth it. The souls in the city and one day that you're going to pastor a daughter work is worth it you may not see it right now Ananias but there's a Paul that's coming into your life and he's going to change the landscape of Christianity you may not understand why you're in the position you're in right now you may not know why you have to keep enduring the things you're enduring but I need you to know there's a Paul in your life and you're going to minister to them somewhere along the way and every battle you have fought is going to be worth it every struggle that you've lived through is going to be worth it. The problem is too many of us think that our scars disqualify us. We feel like our scars are too big and like God can't use us because of our struggles and because of our issues. It is a lie from hell that would tell you that your scars disqualify you, that your past disqualifies you. I come tonight to tell this congregation your scars are just proof of what God can take you and do in your life. Your scars are just the proof of what God can do with a life that is wrecked and in shambles. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I need you to understand. Outreach director! If you're the only one that shows up for outreach on Saturday, it's worth it. To every leader in this church that wonders why you have to keep pushing come to tell you it's worth it to every Sunday school teacher that feels like you're just not getting the point across to your kids it's worth it I come tonight to preach the heart of literally one of the greatest churches I've ever seen. I don't say that because your pastor's my friend. I don't say that because he's a hero in my life. I'll be honest with you. Be seated for a second. Pastor said this morning, I used to work full-time as a policeman. I worked shift work, so I worked two Sundays a month. I had a friend, he actually may be, may be watching tonight. He's in the Assemblies of God preacher, and we were partners on patrol, and we would go in on Sunday mornings. We had paperwork we had to do every Sunday morning. And he said, hey, why don't we watch my church? And I'd be like, all right, that's fine. I said, but it don't start till 10 o'clock. So I got an idea. Let's watch this other church I know about. And we would log on to the anchor.com. And me and the Assemblies of God preacher that I worked with and God help whoever else may have been on shift that day, we would sit in that office and we would blast Pastor Aaron preaching 
and we would blast Brother Josh Carson. The first time I ever remember Josh Carson preaching was in this building. I watched him on your live stream. Let me tell you how far reaching your hands go. It goes beyond just the city limits of Zanesville. It goes beyond just the city limits of wherever your daughter work is. I know it gets tiring sometimes, all the media and the tech crew. I know you get tired sometimes. You get weary and you want to be involved in church, but you're stuck behind a camera. You're stuck behind a board. Can I tell you everything you've done is worth it? Can I? I want to be. There were times in my life I'd walk in on Sunday morning having to work and I'd be so frustrated. I'd be so tired. I'd be so weary. Spiritually, I was exhausted. I was trying to juggle ministry and, and a career and a family and I was just, mentally, I was checked out. I was just tired. But I would find myself about 30 minutes of alone time because sometimes I'd hurry up and leave the office because I felt the Holy Ghost dealing with me. I'd go sit in my patrol car and I'd pull it up on my laptop and I'd sit there and I'd listen to Pastor Bounds begin to preach about the salvation of a soul and the joy of living for God. I'd begin to listen to messages as Pastor Bounds would begin to preach. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not saying this to stroke ego. I don't need to qualify, but I need you to hear me today. I'm not saying it just because he's standing here. There are messages and there are services that happened in this building that I was a thousand miles away and it saved me and it saved my it saved my ministry. You want to know why? Because whether, whether you felt like it or not, the praise team got back up and you sang another song. Whether you felt like you had the energy or not, you got back up at a keyboard and you played and you sang and the ministry team began to pray and pastor when you were tired and you were exhausted and you had your own things going in your personal life you preached a message and in your mind it may have just been in this building but I was a thousand miles away gleaning from the efforts you want to know why Because whether you realized it or not, every action and every message you were telling this boy all the way in Texas, you're worth it. You're worth fighting for. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. There are things going on in this church, and I don't know what they are, but there are, tax pastor, if I'm out of line, you feel free to stop me. I've submitted to you. But there are things going on in this church. There are spiritual attacks coming against this church, and it feels like it is an onslaught, and it feels like every time you get your head above water, something else hits. Every time you feel like you're climbing the mountain, something else comes down. I'm going to be honest with you tonight. God's trying to get us to recognize the power of fighting for our brothers and our sisters. God's trying to get us to recognize that the one, hey, I want the whole city of Zanesville saved. I want this whole county. I want us to have to have 15 services in a Sunday to house the revival. But if I'm honest, a thousand soul revival doesn't do the church much good if we can't even fight for each other. When we got petty stuff going on and we can't even step across the aisle and shake our brothers or sisters' hands. Thousand soul revivals sound great and I believe you can do it but it doesn't mean a whole lot when we can't even come in church and we can't even worship beside some people because of our petty differences and our petty issues.
God needs us to realize tonight that she's worth fighting for. And he's worth fighting for. I don't have to know what's going on in your life, but I need you to know you're worth fighting for. You're worth praying for. You don't have to know what's going on in their life, but I'm going to tell you the reason why some of you, you've been... You've been fighting sleep at night and you've been trying to figure out why that troubling spirit's been sent from the adversary. It's not been sent from the devil. It's been sent from God to try to trouble you and stir you up to get you to recognize I've got a church I need you to pray for. I've got brothers and sisters in your congregation. I need you to pray for them. You haven't been troubled by an evil spirit. You've been troubled by the presence of God. That I know of, there's nothing wrong with this church. That I know of, everybody in this building gets along with everybody. But God is calling Zanesville. God is calling the anchor back to a spirit of unity and back to a mentality of warfare that says you can pick on whoever you want to, but don't you mess with my brother. You can pick on somebody else, but you leave my brothers and my sisters alone. You can attack me if you want to, but leave my brother alone. I've got an older brother, five years older than me. I've got an older brother, he's my pastor. For two reasons, I will kill somebody for Ben White. For two reasons, one, he is my pastor, and two, he's my brother. So it's a double whammy on anybody. He can hold his own, pastor. He holds his own. But I'm gonna be honest with you, if I didn't, if I wasn't underneath him as my pastor, he's still my brother. And even when I disagree with him, and even when I don't like the way he does certain things, as my brother, he's still my brother. You know, you want to see somebody get mad? Start picking on your brother or your sister. You want to see Pastor Bounds get mad? Start attacking Pastor David Bounds in Virginia. Watch and see if this, this, this un, unseen anger don't rise up out of him. Why is it so different with our brothers and our sisters in our church? I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. The Lord's ready for some of us to get militant about our brothers and our sisters in our congregation. Hey, stand all across this building. I'm coming to a close. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you need to quit sitting by in some conversations that are devouring your brothers. Some of us need to quit sitting by in conversations that are devouring and destroying our sisters in our congregation. God's calling this church to recognize that if nothing else in this world matters, you've got to hear the heart of this preacher when I tell you there are people in this service that have been praying that God would send someone into their world. There are people in this city. There are people on your jobs. There's people in your schools that have been praying that God would send someone into their worlds. They may not look like it. They may walk in, Pastor Cody, and their suit's perfect, and their tie's done just right, and they've got it all together. They may shake your hand, and they may even lie to you and tell you that things are going good, but you must understand, you may never have spoken to that person before, but they've been praying for somebody. They don't know how to pray for themselves. They don't know how to pray perfect prayers. They don't know how to make it sound pretty and poetic, but they've been begging God to send somebody I drove across the bridge yesterday and the first thing I felt in my spirit is this city's worth fighting for these people are worth fighting for Zane's anchor I know you've given so much I've watched over the years as you pour out and you pour out and you pour out and you give and you give and you do and you do 
but I'm also understanding enough to recognize there's something in the heart every now and then of a heart of a church that steps back and says, what's it all really worth? Why do we keep pushing? It seems like we meet confrontation on every front. Why do I keep trying? I'll tell you why. Because there's a city that's been praying. And you may never see them. It may be while they have the needle hanging out of their arm. God sends somebody. It may be while the bottle is going to their lips. God sends somebody. Hey, Saul. Saul, I need you to hear me. The anchor thinks you're worth fighting for. Saintsville, you're worth it. You're worth every dollar spent. You're worth every weekend sacrificed for outreach. You're worth every five o'clock early morning prayer. You're worth it. But here's where I feel like the heart of God wants us to come to tonight. There are people sitting in this congregation that are thinking about giving up. I'm going to bear my heart for a second. I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. There are people sitting in this congregation at the 9 o'clock service this morning, at the 11 o'clock service that they clapped. Even tonight, you clapped your hands and you acted like everything. You smiled and you talked to the to the host team in the foyer and you acted like everything was okay. But somewhere deep down in the back of your mind, you're wondering how much more you can take. You're wondering how much more you can fight. Your arms are weary from swinging a sword. That's why it's hard to even raise them up to worship. Your knees are tired because every time you think you got it figured out, the enemy slaps you one more time and knocks you back down to your knees. Can I tell you tonight, if you knew what the thoughts were going through the mind of some of the people in this building, it would scare you to death to think about how many people are dealing with depression and anxiety. To think about how many people are wondering, is this going to be the last service I can make it to? Is this going to be the last time I can make it? I'll tell you what we need to do. I realize COVID's serious. I realize people are afraid and I'm not knocking that. But what we need to do tonight is get a renewed desire of unity to fight for our brothers and our sisters. So I'm asking this church, I would normally do the, the generic evangelistic thing that I realize I'm not preaching to everybody. But tonight I'm preaching to everybody. If you don't want to come to the front for distancing and all that, I get it. I, I, I don't think less of you. But I feel like this church as a whole needs to move out right now come down to this front as a family that's what this church is supposed to be as a family but I feel like this church needs to move out and on your way down I'm going to tell you in the Holy Ghost what I feel right now there are some of you that earlier today during your Sunday afternoon nap or at Sunday lunch you don't know why but the Lord placed somebody on your heart and you didn't understand it I'm telling you why right now Last week, the Lord put a burden in somebody's heart for you to start praying for them, and they don't even know you've been praying. But tonight, this is the reason why. Right now, I want you to begin to find somebody to pray with. I want you to go to whoever it is that the Lord's put them on your heart, that the Lord put a burden in your spirit for them, and I want you to begin to pray. And I don't want you to pray patty cake prayers. I don't want you to pray prayers that don't change anything, prayers that don't shake anything. I want you to begin to pray for them like you would want somebody praying for you. Come on, I'm asking you right now, begin 
begin to move out. I know it's a little awkward. I realize some most of you have never even heard me before. You have no clue who I am. But the Lord come to me today and told me there's people in this building that need the strength of the body. You don't just need a preacher laying hands on you. You don't need the evangelist calling you out and speaking a prophetic word. You just need to know you're not alone. There are young people that are serving God by themselves and they need to know that our elders believe in them. Come on, there are pre- Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.